everybody welcome to another edition of guys talking sports this week we're going to talk about the western conference finals the eastern conference finals will ben simmons stay or leave the philadelphia 76ers in baseball the sticky tack actually make people not hit the baseball that a little bit more on this week of guys talking sports Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guy Talking Sports. This is going to be the special edition two-man edition of Guy Talking Sports being how our big homie Ace is not around at the moment. Um, but as always, the most dangerous podcast is on. Um, so before we get into it, let me get a big up shout to my man, Al. How you doing tonight? Um, actually, I'm doing good. I'm ready to get started because we definitely have a lot to talk about. I don't have my drink with me. Um, so I'm just going to do this dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> Always got to stay dehydrated when it's hot in the summertime. So whatever beverage of your choice. Yes. Um, but let's roll right into it. We got a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, basketball playoffs are in definitely full swing with the Eastern and Western Conference Finals going on. Um, hockey is definitely getting ready to get down to the Stanley Cup Finals. Baseball is still baseball with all uh, the sticky stuff. <laughs> But let's roll right into baseball. Um, obviously, uh, we do have the Eastern Conference Finals, two games in with the Western Conference Finals, um, with the uh, Phoenix Suns winning a thrilling game last night against the uh, LA Clippers. And I and myself am a little miffed that I went to sleep early on that. <laughs> um, but obviously, the, um, the Suns um, were able to win it in, win it in regulation with a 0.9 second dunk. Uh, from Jay Crowder to uh, Jay Crowder to um, Aiton. So, Al, let me give you your thoughts about the um, about the Western Conference Finals thus far. Since that week, the only one we could talk about because the Eastern Conference Finals are starting off tonight. So, how has the the WCF been so far? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, to be honest, I'm, I really was expecting a little bit more. Um, but first, first things first, because the last time we talked. Um, kudos to the Phoenix Suns for making it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, but at the end of the day, and kudos to the Clippers as well, because they ended their drought of making it to the Western Conference Finals too. Um, bottom line is this, at the end of the day, um, it's this is a good series overall because it's two fresh teams um, who never made it to the Western Conference. Well, let me reframe that. It's two fresh teams that made it um, who are in the Western Conference Finals that haven't been there in a while. So to be honest, this is very exciting um, for me because there's a lot of narratives, a lot of storylines in between the Western Conference Finals. Of course, first kudos to the Phoenix Suns for doing it, um, winning two games without Chris Paul. I mean, everybody was thinking, banking the fact that Chris Paul has to be the catalyst for them to win these games. And truth be told, I mean, they didn't really need him for these two games. Devin Booker has been... Devin Booker. And I know that there's comparisons of him being, quote unquote, the next um, Kobe Bryant. But let's be honest, nobody's like Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is one of a kind and always has been and will be one of a kind, period. With that being said, I think Devin Booker is definitely taking that next leap. Um, and you have to give kudos to the next man up, stepping up for while Chris Paul is down. Big shout outs to Cameron Payne, um, because truth be told, everybody 
without CP3, everybody thought that there wasn't going to be nobody to hold it down in the point guard position. But Cameron Payne, you know, the same Cameron Payne that was dancing with Russell Westbrook in OKC, doing those dance moves all the time, he has really stepped up. He was out of the G League. You got to give kudos to this Phoenix Suns team. They are putting in work. They're doing everything. Even DeAndre Ayton um, is putting in work. And truth be told, I am really rooting for them. As much as I want to see the Clippers win, to be honest, I can root for any of these two teams because I want the Clippers to win just because of the sake that I want them to be up there. Now there won't be no comparison about them and the Lakers. At least the Clippers can get one. Um, but now with Kawhi out, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. But I do want Phoenix to win because I do want to see them succeed in this, being a young team that they have. And plus, having Chris Paul there helps them, puts them over the top. I really think that this is going to be an interesting series. Then, I mean, Clippers are not down of it yet, as we know. Um, they've been down 0-2 these la this whole playoff series um, and previous playoff series and won. So this is going to be a series. I'm not going to count them out yet. But, you know, if anyone that can get out of that 0-2 hump would be the Clippers. So I think Phoenix is in a great position right now. And truth be told, they're getting CP3 back just when they need to, when they're going on a roll in LA. So overall, I think this is a great series. And I think Phoenix has what it takes to make it to the finals. I'm in agreement, you know, um, I'm agreeing with your first part saying that, you know, there's two fresh teams in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I mean, we even saw it last year in a bubble where the Phoenix Suns, you know, kind of, you know, put people on notice. I mean, you thought, okay, maybe it was a little blip. Wasn't no sure if it was going to be a trend and everything, but you know, then when you flip it to the season coming up, they get Chris Paul. Um, Devin Booker was playing sensational. DeAndre Ayton is playing some serious ball. As you said, Cameron Payne, not playing. The boys is, is playing well. Um, and let me not get it twisted. This hasn't been like a beatdown for two games. This has been like a slugfest for two games. Um, I'm going to give credit to Ty Luke. He's got them boys playing. Even without Kawhi Leonard, this has not been an easy game. I mean, the most elite has been in both games might have been eight points. And it's been like back and forth, back and forth, the slugfest. I thought, you know, the Clippers are going to take it out. But credit to that last play, the officiating, which is probably the reason why I went to bed early, <laughs> igged me. The game should have been over by 1130. It was quarter to 12 and it still wasn't over. So um, officiating was very suspect. Um, down the stretch, more suspect. Um, but... What can you say? I mean, this, the Phoenix Suns are staking their claims to the Western Conference. Um, and they did this without Chris Paul. Um, they got two games under that belt without Chris Paul. Second one, people saying well, the, the Clippers are rod. It's a that's how it goes sometimes. You need luck to win some stuff. But um, they're up to and oh without Chris Paul. They may or may not get Chris Paul back for game three, but they do, in my opinion, have a game to play with without Chris Paul if they lose. But, I mean, I like the series. It's going good. Um, Devin Booker is turning into a superstar in your eyes. You see, like, the young talent, like you said, with Cameron Payne, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, who I said a few weeks ago was the X factor for that squad mm -hmm. um, because the Clippers don't have anybody that can really deal with them. I mean, you yeah. can throw Boogie Cousins on them, Zubox. The man can get his own shots. I saw him getting the ball up at the top of the at the top of the key a bunch of times, initiating the offense. He can get his own shots. He can hit down to the paint. 
He can go to the hole. He cuts to the hole, which a lot of big guys like Embiid like to just drift off into the three-point land. No, he gets his butt on the block. He cuts to the hole. It's a lot of a lot of lobs. So, I, I mean, there. This two and zero is a little bit different than the two O's in the last previous seasons because they're without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And they can try to massage it all they want and say, oh, we, we don't know. He sprained his knee. It's probably a tore ACL. He's not back for the – he's done. They haven't said it yet because they're trying to hold out a hope. But in my opinion, he's done. And if we know Kawhi Leonard his history, he ain't coming back for this. <laughs> no, I completely agree with that. And what makes it even I, – I, to be honest, I compete with what you're saying. Without Kawhi, this is going to be a more difficult 0-2 um, series for them than anything else. But I will say this. You're at, Aiden is right now outplaying everybody. Who The key person that they're really missing um, besides Kawhi is um, Serge Ibaka because Serge mm. Ibaka would definitely make this series a lot more entertaining and a lot more competitive than what it is. Without Serge Ibaka, uh, Boogie and um, Zubak cannot, cannot hold up with, um, with um, Aiden at this point. And that's really unfortunate because I think Serge would definitely make it a series without question. And yeah. to be honest, kudos for them to use Boogie Cousins because I was wondering if they was going to utilize him or if they was going to go small. But this time, kudos to them for keeping him in the uh, and keeping them in. Um, at this point, is next man up. So they just got to make sure whoever that comes out to play, make sure that they come out to play. Uh, I think the Clippers' defense is good, but not good enough if Phoenix keeps running the way that they're running. Yeah, I think they were able to get away with the small ball um, in the last series because Rudy Gobert was not really a threat, even a way to get, you know, with small ball in the Dallas series because there was nobody that was really a threat that's going to punish him. I mean, um, Porzingis, he could be a threat, but he doesn't like to bang down low, and yeah. he likes to stay out on the perimeter. Um, Rudy Gobert defensively, but offensively doesn't do anything, so they could skate with that. They can't skate with that here, and I think if they really lose – I don't believe they're going to get swept. I think they're going to get at least one out of the next two games in um in in Los Angeles. Um, but they can't skate going small against them because Aiden is going to make them pay. And I watched both of them games, and he was abusing them down low. Zubox can't do nothing with it. I mean, you saw Zubox. <laughs> it got. <laughs> I mean, it was like Zubox was this way, and Aiden had like another floor to go. He just effortlessly just dunked over him. So yeah. No, but I, that, yeah, no, without question. And um, I think that also this this series is going to get a little bit more physical. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit more chirping going on. I think it's going to get a little bit more um, aggressive um, because I just have a feeling that that's just how it's going to end up. Um, we saw that with even with what happened with um, Booker and um, Patrick Beverly. So, mm. This is definitely going to get a lot more chippier than what it is. Um, so this is going to be a great series. This is going to be a great series. I'm, I'm very looking forward to the next game. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, Chris Paul, you know, he can get real chippy when he wants to and, and real sneaky when he wants to, too. And he's not back there yet. But mm-hmm. every game that they can play without Chris Paul is is another chip they can stow on the bank. So he might be back for game three. I don't think he comes back for – I don't think he might be ready for game three. I think game four is probably what they're really targeting for. So if they take an L, you know, to the Clippers in game three, 
I don't think it's going to be no sweat, but they're going to need them by game four because they don't want to get the series tied up um, and then try to run it out. But I want to say something that um, I was watching this, uh, a lot of the sports TV today. Uh-huh. And a lot of people was just giving um, Paul George a bad break because he missed them last two free throws at the end of the game. Now, they seem to forget that he went on a, a 6-2 run all by himself to keep that game close and was going tit for tat. He played great in the first in the first game, but they lost. He played pretty good in the second game, and he played great down the stretch. But he break through. Oh, come on, I mean, now you're splitting hairs. I mean, you can say that those two free throws might have cost him the game, but if somebody would have made sure that that pass didn't get up to eight and where it went to, um, then they wouldn't have won that game. So it was. I don't put this them being 0-2 all on him. And you can talk about the missed free throws, yeah, but that wasn't the reason why. That wasn't the reason why they lost the game. That was a reason. But prior to that, he was playing flawlessly. I'm I'm going to say this. Um, first of all, I completely agree with you. Um, this has nothing to do with Paul George. Paul George, if anything, is carrying his team. It's up to other people to step up. And I'm not just talking offensively. I'm talking defensively as well. If Zubox cannot handle Aiton, if Boogie can do all he can with in the front court and still can't handle Aiton, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You have, I mean, truth be told, if everybody's looking to give the ball to Paul George, who's going to be the next man to stand up and, and take shots with confidence? I mean, truth be told, last series it was Terrence Mann. So who who else is going to help Paul George? Paul George can't do it by himself. And truth be told, Ty Lucia understand that you can't just give the ball to Paul George to make something happen. You got to run set plays for other people. Other people got to get going to the point where the defense is going to now look to contest, look for that person. Because right now everybody's going to think that Paul George is going to be the answer. And when he does all he can and they don't win the se- or a game, all the, 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 the backlash goes to Paul George. It's not Paul George's fault. Bottom line is, is that they wouldn't be there to where they are without Paul George. So you have to take a step back and reflect that. And other team members definitely have to step up. There should be no reason why there's any backlash on Paul George this time around. Now there's an argument with all the other playoff series. Yes, I mean, because that was proven. But not in this series, not in this playoffs. This playoffs, Paul George is doing the best that he can. And you have to give him credit. Just because he missed these two free throws, he, like you said, Smooth, they wouldn't be there if he didn't score six straight points. So you have to take some consideration. I would, I, for the, if I'm Clippers fa- Nation, I would ease up on Paul George because this is not on him. Everybody else needs to do something and step up defensively, to be honest with you. It's not even just the offense. Defensively, they have to step up because there should have been no reason why Aiton got that lob to begin with with point nine. As a matter of fact, that should have been the first thing that everybody should have been defending was close to the basket because you wouldn't have had enough time in point nine seconds to catch and shoot the ball. I'm sorry. So the fact that it is that whoever, that defensive scheme was the worst, bottom line. Like, Boogie Cousins should have been at an angle that's blocking the rim, and there should have been enough defensive schemes to to to, to gather around the rim. You know, and that wasn't done. So I, I'm not 
the whole scheme of it is wrong, but you can't blame Paul George in this series or any of the past previous series or in the playoffs for that matter. You can't blame Paul George for it. No, nah, and, you know, they, they lost by one point. Um, it wasn't for Paul George, but you lost by a lot more than one point. He was the reason why you actually lost by one point. Correct. But he was the reason why you lost by one point. So you were, so it was like, you missed the two three throws, which facilitated why you lost. However, you wouldn't be in that position if it wasn't for him. So everyone is talking about pandemic P and he bricked him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look at those last two missed free throws. And he doesn't miss free throws hardly at all, let alone exactly. two. But prior to that, that little two-minute stretch, he kept your butts in the game. So, I mean, give, give him some credit where credit is due. Um, but if I'm, the, if I'm the Clippers, I wouldn't be too bad because you're down 0-2. But it ain't – the Phoenix Suns, it didn't come easy. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like a blowout win at all by any, by any shape. So you're still in this game. It's just a matter of, yeah, you really have to lock down defensively because if they can't lock down defensively, this is going to be a short series. And Clippers know how to lock down defensively. Do what you need to do. Make sure you defend um, because the offense was just coming just like that. It's no problem. When Cameron Payne is scoring over 20 points a game, it's the backup scoring 20 points a game and getting nine assists. You know that your defense wasn't all up the point. And that's with including a team with Patrick Beverly, who is supposed to be locking down point guards. You didn't do all that, even if your focus was on Devin Booker. Other people had to step up, and they didn't do that defensively. Yeah. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I believe the next game, um, the, the Phoenix Suns is going to be on, I think, Friday, I think it is. Yes. Yes, I believe. Yes. Friday, yep. So uh, the um, – Atlanta, Milwaukee, I'm not all that interested, but the, this Phoenix Suns and Clippers has been very entertaining. It reminds me of a little bit of the old school, you know, early 90s, uh, <laughs> you know, basketball. I mean, they let them play. I mean, there was a couple of, you know, questionable, you know, fouls, but for the most part, they're letting them play. <laughs> I'm In which I'm completely fine. At this day, I'm completely fine because it's making it exciting. And truth be told, with the fans in Phoenix and how everything is coming back into full with normalcy in the NBA, this has been a great viewing to watch, a great playoffs to watch. Um, granted, the fact that, you know, a lot of people may have wanted, like, a lot of the West Coast team, I mean, West Coast, the, um, the Coast teams like New York or um, L.A., like Lakers or all that stuff, but... To be honest, this is a most entertaining West Coast Finals um, in a long time. To be honest with you. Yes, it's not. I won't, it's not a foregone conclusion um, per se. Um, even though I think this one, I think the Suns might have it, whether it's going to be six games or or five. But the last couple of years, it's been a, pretty much a foregone conclusion whether it's going to be. Um, you know, going to say Warriors or last year's, you know, the Lakers. I mean, the last, I want to probably say six years, it was almost a foregone conclusion who was going to wind up there. But maybe you were hedging your bets a few years, but at the end of the day, you kind of knew it was going to be there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, but before we continue on, I do have to 
um, take notes of the teams that they did that 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 didn't make it to the Western Conference Finals, I should say. Um, Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Um, of course, um, Phoenix beating the Denver Nuggets, which I thought was going to be a much better series than what it was. Um, that was a complete collapse. But I think the Utah Jazz was even a more co a complete collapse um, for them losing the series. And I I, I was. I wouldn't say I was, I was puzzled, but I was puzzled about the Utah Clippers series because for the life of me, I thought Utah had every opportunity given to them to make it to the Western Conference Finals. And for whatever reason, it did not work out for them. Um, and I thought they had the better team. I thought they had the better offensive mind. They had the deep, one of the, the defensive player of the year um, in Rudy Gobert. So I was just, I was, puzzled as to why they didn't make it or win the series but I mean they're going to have to work on what needs to be done next year um, and same thing with Denver uh, I think Denver they're going to be more dangerous because they, of course they was missing Jamal Murray um, so I believe they will be just as dangerous um, next year when Jamal Murray comes back but um, I thought that I, I at least thought that Utah would give a better better series than or at least win the series over the Clippers, especially with Kawhi out. But that didn't happen. Yeah, and I mean you also have to note that, you know, you know, Devin Mitchell, I mean, even though he came back, he did tweak his ankle a little bit. So he wasn't 100 percent You can tell his his offensive productivity and overall play from the point before he tweaked it to after he tweaked it was just night and day. And it looks like that kind of precipitated, like you said, the Utah Jazz eventual collapse. So, you know, we have to point that out, but yeah, I mean, you was hoping for a little bit better, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. This is basically last man standing <laughs> NBA playoffs. True, true, true. But like I said, at this point, it's next team up, and again, Suns and Clippers. Uh, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to watch that series no matter what, and continue to watch that series because it seems like those are these are exciting games to be watched. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just switch over to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I'm not going to get into who's playing right now, but, um, you know, there's been a lot of brouhaha and talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, who probably should have beaten the Atlanta Hawks, but didn't beat the Atlanta Hawks. Um, and all the blame has been apparently been laid at the feet of uh, Ben Simmons and his play in Game 7. Um there's been a lot of talk on the Philadelphia I talk say, I will, shows. I, I, I want to hear what Philly is talking about. That's because I know you have your ear to the ground out there. So I need they to know exactly what, what Philly they, fans are saying about this. They are ripping them a new one out here. In Simmons? Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, put like this. Philadelphia is a tough – Philadelphia, like New York, is a tough market to play in. It's even tougher when you're not doing well and way worse when you are not living up to expectations and playing bad. <laughs> so right now, Ben Simmons is in slot three. So there's been talk about that. He, there's been talk about, he, you know, he, he's trash, he's garbage all the way to, to trading or getting rid of him. So my opinion is, do you think that Ben Simmons' problems with shooting a more consistent jumper outside the paint and free throws can be remedied. Yes. Not a question. 
it can be remedied. It's not, I mean, I'm, I'm, hmm, I'm going to say this. I mean, because I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, and you're telling me now that people want him to be gone. Um, truth be told, I don't see why you would trade him. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, truth be told, what they really need to do, and this is just my opinion, what they really need to do is they need to keep Ben Simmons. Move him to the three. Get, get Keep, I mean, make a swap. Well, not even swap. Let Seth Curry run the point. You're going to have Danny Green coming back. Seth, Gur Seth Curry, Danny Green, Ben Simmons at the three, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. Let him run the point. And reason why I'm saying this is because you can hide the deficiencies off of that. Their whole offense was based off of Seth Curry and Joel Embiid pick and roll. Why not build your offense off of that? That's what I'm not understanding. Doc Rivers can make adjustments around with the players that they have. They really don't need to trade Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons can run the point as a three, but and his defense, he can do whatever he wants. That's all well and good. But his offense doesn't have to be catered to Ben Simmons. Move him away from the ball. Let him do the intangibles that he is so good at. Let him take the get the rebound and run fast breaks. Let the offense center between Joel Embiid and Seth Curry. Between that, Danny Green can get open. Tobias Harris can move to the wing and shoot jumpers because he's a good jump shooter, even though he didn't play well at all in this series. You can have Embiid in the post or you can have Ben Simmons at the post or whatever. There is so much that they could do offensively that they could have made adjustments to, and they didn't do that. Like, it was always Ben has to run point. He doesn't have to run point all the time. They can do things to mask and use his intangibles to be a productive. Like, you could say, all right, I'm not going to have him keep shooting jumpers, but I can have him defend. I can have him run and get assists. He doesn't have to shoot. He can get assists. He can um, drive to the basket, all that stuff. And then I think that the first thing that they need to do is work with him mentally. Like, truth be told, yeah, the writing is on the wall because Philly fans want him out. But where's the teammates that come around and put together and say, yo, let's work on this together. Let's work on this so that you – we want to make sure that you're able to succeed so that we can succeed. I don't see nobody's coming to defend him. Like, everybody's like, well, you know, it, you know, when you open – like, Joel Embiid didn't defend him at all. He was like, well, if you, when I see you have an open jumper and you pass it, you know, like, those subtle hints is not helping Ben Simmons at all. And truth be told, if they – and I'm telling you right now, if they were to trade Ben Simmons to a team, there's going to be a team that's going to take Ben Simmons and work with him one-on-one -on -one to become a better shooter and a better free throw shooter, and he's going to have a more, more complete game, and then Philly is going to be up in arms and be like, well, why he didn't do this before? The reason why he didn't do it before is because you guys didn't take time to develop him into the player that he can be. He could be a superstar, a megastar, but you're not taking time to, de to, to, to develop him. And truth be told, he has plenty of time to develop him, but did y'all develop him the right way? So I'm telling you, some if they lose Ben Simmons, one, one person's loss is another team's game. And that's what's going to end up happening. I'm pretty sure of it. Something's going to give where if he goes to another team, watch, how, watch it be a night and day approach.
I agree with you in theory. <laughs> I know. <laughs> about what, you know, what they should do and how they should utilize Ben Simmons. Um, having, you know, Steph Curry run more of the point and then having... Um, he saved them. I'm sorry. Steph Curry saved them. Like, if Steph Curry was not hitting jumpers, if he doesn't have a contract now, uh, uh, a multi-year contract now, he better get one because he saved them. Joel Embiid was injured, but Seth Curry saved that team, regardless. Yeah, well, <laughs> he had to do that for uh, his father-in-law so he could be uh, welcome back into the house during the holidays. So, <laughs> I keep thinking about that. But he earned it. I can't knock it. He earned it. He didn't. He didn't waver. He didn't falter. He earned them. He was hitting shots, and truth be told. Like, he did what he needed to do. And what's crazy about it is because, who, wait, who did he put? He was with, what, Portland before he went to Philly? I believe so. Like, the fact that he, like, they should have easily gave him a contract. Like, who knew what could have happened there? But to be told, he this is his, he's in a good, he's in whatever they do now, he's good. He's good. Because if Philly won't take him, you best believe other teams are going to take him with a heartbeat. My thing is, is that um, I think that the the, the Sixers um, brass, and I think that Doc Rivers probably had an idea going into the season, but I think he kind of knows now that the Ben Simmons, who you drafted, who people thought he could be, a 6'10", possibly Magic Johnson type, or even a LeBron James type, you know, I think they're finding out that as of right now, he's not either one of those. So where does he, where does he fit? Um, Cause he can handle the ball. He can pass, but he's, he hasn't developed into the player over the last couple of years that you'd have hoped. And you gave him max contract to keep him in to show your good faith into him, but he hasn't, he hasn't developed into the player that I think that they really want him to do. So now you have a question. Do you stick with him or do you go away? I think – I agree with you. I think he can be salvaged. I think he can be saved. I don't think it's going to be – I don't think Philly is the place where he's going to get it done. I think the problems that he has – I look at it this way. Keeping him and you try to fix him and you can't fix him, you're going to be back in the same boat come playoffs next year because he can do good – but then when you get to the playoffs and now all of your deficiencies get enhanced, then you're going to see what happened in game seven or actually going to see what happened in game five, six, and seven. You don't want to shoot. You get tight. You get nervous. You want to go to the line and do a hack-a-shack. You go four for 14 one game. Um, you go six for 29 over a stretch of two games. And so your confidence is lost. It reminds me of how Markel Fultz got picked by the Philadelphia Sixers. You're spot on. <laughs> spot on. Hurt his shoulder, came back, but for whatever reason, his jump shot didn't come back, and he just couldn't shoot. He couldn't shoot. Got his shoulder. His shoulder was fixed the next year. Still couldn't shoot. Couldn't shoot. Sixers, they got rid of his ass quick and put all the point guard position it wasn't supposed to be all on Ben Simmons. It's supposed to be more so on Mar Markel Fultz. It's supposed to be Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid. 
Um, they got rid of Markel Folks quick, put him on Orlando, and he flourished up until when he got hurt. He was balling out. So I think when you're playing in towns like New York and Philadelphia, if you're bad, you're going to hear it. If you're going to live up to expectations and you're bad, you're never going to get over the end of it. I mean, the hell, they, they booed Donovan McNabb, and he was probably – he didn't win a Super Bowl, but he was probably one of the better quarterbacks you had over the last 15 to 20 years. Um, ben Simmons is good. I think he can, but I think he needs a change of scenery in order to develop his full potential because I don't think he's going to get it here because the moniker on him is that he can't shoot jumpers and he can't shoot free throws. And he can go and shoot all he can all summer and work on it, and maybe he does a little bit better. But if he gets in the playoffs at home and he's not doing good, you, you and I both know how Philly fans in the crowd is. They're going to boo him mercilessly. Probably worse than what you get booed in, well, probably just as bad as in New York. I don't know which one is worse. But, yeah, so they, if Doc is able to rehabilitate him and get him in, then I agree. I think you would lean on Steph, Seth Curry and then have – Ben Simmons at the three or the four, probably the four, um, or maybe even the five. I mean, small ball will work, to be honest. Yeah, um, but I just – I'm of the opinion that I don't think it's going to be here. And when you heard the post-conference from Doc Rivers and the day after with Daryl Morey, that didn't sound like votes of confidence to me. That sounds like they're hedging their bets, but they don't want to say – we're going to trade him because they don't want to just devalue it. I think they're trying to say, well, yeah, they're trying to play both sides of the fence. No, I get that. I get that. But the and the, here's the thing. And what's crazy about it is this is going to be another Mark Curl folks all over again. That was a great analogy because truth be told, once he, if they do trade him, I'm pretty sure that some team, whoever that team is, is going to be a night and day approach where they're going to be like, oh, now all of a sudden he has a three point shot. Now he's shooting threes. He's shooting six for eight from three-point line. Like, that stuff is going to haunt them for the rest of their life, just like they did with Mark Air Folks. But it's going to be a bigger spotlight when Ben Simmons does it with another team. So he has to be careful about what they're going to do because if, if he flourishes with another team, you best believe people are going to be calling for the GM to go. And truth be told, they really need a shooting coach or a developmental coach that's good with what he does. Until that is done, Philly is not going anywhere. And truth be told, it's not even all on Ben Simmons' fault because Tobias Harris needs to be taking blame for some of this too. Tobias Harris, the same person that, that scores 20 points, roughly about 20 points a game, was a no-show, a no-show in this series. So I can't I, – I, I get that Ben Simmons is, you know, is – the bulk of everybody's blame, but truth be told, it's not just him. It's, it's you know, it's a collaboration of people. Doc Rivers is also a he has a, held some responsibility. So between him, Tobias Harris, and um Ben Simmons, it it, it needs to be worked, it has to be worked out. Something needs to be worked out. Yeah, I, I agree. Something's gonna happen, and I told you guys two months ago that I don't believe that the team currently constructed as is is going to be the same team at the end of the season. Something's going to change. I don't know if Ben Simmons is going to leave immediately, but I have a feeling they're probably going to try. He's either going to get traded before the season or if he doesn't, he doesn't look like he's progressing, 
he's going to get traded by the trading deadline next season. So I, I'm, I just don't think it's going to work there. And the way Doc was sounding, I think he's probably thinking the same thing. Like I said, I think he probably thought when he got the team, but he wanted to see how it's going to play out. I think he knows now, you know, what he has and what he needs to do to change it. Yeah, yeah. And truth be told, the GM that um, – I think the GM should be on – what's the word? On the hot seat as well. Um, because truth be told, they wouldn't be having this problem if they would have went ahead and traded um, Ben Simmons for James Harden. And they was talking about their trade too. Um, <laughs> Dal Morey is the GM or the GM advisor. I don't know. It's him and Elton Brand. Really, I think it's Dal Morey and Elton Brand is getting s- slowly pushed to the curb. You know, it was out there. I'm, I don't know if Houston was as serious to trade him to Phoenix dealing with their old GM. So I don't know. You have to talk to the Houston owner with that one. But I said it when I was first coming out. Do it. Pull the trigger. Everybody was like, no, no, no. I said, do it. Pull the trigger. It's better off. They didn't. They didn't went to the Nets. And will likely go to your Nets. <laughs> Very quickly. Um, I understand that they, uh, they lost. Credit to KD. I mean, he did what he could with what he had <laughs> with the squad. Um, people are going to say, well, he should, you know, he's not LeBron. He can carry the team. That team wasn't built around KD. That team was built around the top three. They were top heavy as fuck. So when you lose Kyrie, and trust me, if Kyrie didn't get hurt, Bucks would have lost in five. I don't think they could have beat them. And I don't think they could have beat Kyrie in a healthy Kyrie and a healthy in a KD. But needless to say, he did what he could. I mean, what was that, game five, where he basically carried the load, played 48 minutes? And then game six, he was tired. Game seven, he ran out of gas. But, you know, needless to say, um, what do the Nets do? next year or what can they do next year being how they're really cash strapped they don't know and they don't have a lot of you know options to play with hell they don't even have a lot of picks to play with let alone money well they do have this year's um first round pick and two second round picks this year um and is that it <laughs> yeah i mean to be honest compared to any all the other years when we ain't had nothing in the first round this is this is still a good thing um, uh, I got gross. Uh, I really did. All right, okay. Um, first things first. Uh, all right, being a Nets fan, I was all in my feelings. You, you know, um, when the series was over, um, I was very upset. Um, was upset about a couple of things. First things first, I have no ill will right now whatsoever for KD. KD did everything that he could do with the limited time that he had um, to try to win. Um, and that's where it injured, of course. Um, James Harden came back, um, wasn't in James Harden form, so I could completely understand him giving the production that he did. Kyrie was out. Okay. The problem with me, I have with the wasn't really with the Nets. Well, yeah, let me start with this. 
first things first. As bad as a series Joe Harris had, I'm not. I'm going to give him a break. I'm going to give him a pass. I was upset originally, yes, um, because he was definitely a no show. Um, but I will give him a pass because I think that this was just something that just a bad series. Um, so I think the first thing that they need to do this offseason is make sure that Joe Harris is is still a Brooklyn Net. Um, as long as he's secure, I'm completely fine. That's number one. Number two, most importantly, I could not understand for the life of me how they had seven players, five of the whole starting team play for a whole 40-something minutes. Like each starter in the Brooklyn Nets play at least 40-something minutes and only had two people um, off the bench play the entire game, game seven. No Nicholas Claxton, which I'm still baffled by. No, um, I forgot the other people's name, but the fact of the matter is, is that you were not going to win with your whole starters playing at least over 40 minutes. That was rare. Never seen that happen before. You only had two players on the bench play roughly, what, five to ten minutes. But yet your whole starters paid the whole entire game, virtually the whole entire game. And what's make it worse, and this is not on the players, I have more so of management or the coaching, I should say. The coaching, I'm still baffled by how that game plan was going to work. I mean, granted, if you want to keep KD in the game, that's all well and good. But you can't take the other people out. I'm pretty sure that everybody was gassed at that point. So you couldn't give a fresher, a, a, a quick breather, like – I was so baffled by that game seven. Like, I was literally upset. But I digress because the series is over. This is now a new season. The first thing that they need to do is hire better management. I mean, better coaches, assistant coaches. Because truth be told, um, I forgot, Udaka just got hired as the, I forgot his how to pronounce his name, but he just got hired as the Boston um, Celtics head coach. So he's going to be gone. Pretty sure D'Antoni is going to be gone with another coaching gig. So Jacques Bond is, is in a running for another coaching gig. I forgot which one. I think New Orleans or he's head, um, interviewing for a head coach. So they're going to need a other assistant coaches to build this back up. It's number one. Number two, they're going to have to do something with Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie would have been able to play. This series would be still going. I mean, the next season would still be gone. But Spencer Dinwiddie declined his option, which I knew he was going to do. He is not going to stay a Brooklyn Net. So they need to do something as far as a signing trade because there's no reason for him to even stay. He is right now the bet, one of the best free agent point guards available. Somebody's going to pick him up regardless. And if I was Brooklyn, I would do something with a signing trade so that you get something in return. Some within with a two-way player because they need two-way players. They need someone that can shoot and someone that can play deep. They have too many point guards or guard heavy right now. They need some more small forwards or power forwards that can play defense and that can shoot. That's really what they need to do. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Tyler Johnson, with Landry, Landry Shamba, with um, Mike James, with... Kyrie Irving, James Harden, they're going to stay there. Those two are going to stay. But the others, um, they need to do something with that and upgrade it to more taller defenders. I think that's really what their focus should be on. 
Um, Brooklyn's going to be back next year. It's just how they're going to re- how they revamp the roster. And believe me, Sean Marks already made it abundantly clear that he is going to make some roster changes. So they need to do that, and whatever they need to do with that, they need to handle that going forward. They'll be back. I'm not worried about it, but I think that now they know exactly what how they handle things going forward. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I, that one I, I agree. I, I agree that um. They need to make some changes, you know, not just some roster changes, some, um, all, you know, some staff changes to your um, strength and training and <laughs> who's ever the doctor over there. Because truth be told, the, the, the Nets never played with their fully loaded clip for more than a few games the entire season. This was a shortened season at that. Yeah. They never played with a full clip for the entire season. I don't okay. know what the heck. They said it was about 10 games altogether. Yeah, 10 games out of 72. I don't know what the heck he's doing over there in New York. I mean, you know, we always they were you know, waiting at um they're waiting on KD. KD is back and looked like he was right before he got the first injury. So he's looking like he's back to normal. Kyrie was good, but he had these whatever issues. And then you get Kevin um um Kevin Harden, James Harden in there, lighting it up once he got himself back into shape. But then he, you know, gets hurt, pulls the hamstring. And I give him credit for trying to go out there. But in my opinion, he was much more of a liability than an asset. And maybe it might have served them purpose for him not to play than more to play because um, he really didn't do much. Um, but what caught the Nets, you know, badly is because in order to get Kyrie and KD and Harden, he had to give up some of what, you know, the Nets had abundance of good young talent. You basically had no bench. You had no depth. You didn't really have a depth. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie wants out, and I don't blame him. <laughs> and so, I mean, a lot of the good players that you did have prior to bringing all these assets, because you had to give up a lot to get. And they got them, but there's no depth in that bench. If I'm Sean Marks and, you know, he's going to have to address that because that arm's just not going to change. And the way that your big three's health has been last season, you could be looking at the same thing next season. So they need to shore up that bench. How they're going to do it, I don't know. But they're, like you said, Spencer Dinwiddie, a sign and trade, bring somebody in, get some more size down low. But they got to address the bench. Um, and you got to pray that the injury gods don't bite your team like it did um, this past this past year. And, you know, Personally, they this year was probably their best shot um, if everybody was healthy. Best clean shot. Next year, I'm pretty sure the Lakers, you know, they're going to be back healthy, barring anywhere injuries to AD. Um, of course, um, Kawhi is probably going to be back. But this year was probably best tailored made for them to make it to the finals and probably win. Next year, there's like you said, they're still going to be in the mix. But I think the path to prosperity if they didn't have the injuries, which much easier this, this go-round than it might be next year. But um, they're going to have to do something with that roster because, you know, you might got one to two good years left with that big three before somebody decides to jump ship. They might not jump ship, but, you, but they're not getting any younger. Without question. I mean, to be honest, what Sean March really need to do is hire um, – since these assistant coaches are most likely going to find jobs elsewhere. And the one to, already did. 
Yeah, it went already did. They really need to find some defensive-minded coaches, someone that can preach defense to them because they have all the offense they need. But defensively, they're still a liability. So they really need to focus on defensive-minded coaches to balance that out. And until they do that, they should be doing it this year. This should be what Sean Marks should focus on, not just on the assistant coaches, but on the roster itself to preach his defense from the jump. Once they do that, they should be good to go. Um, and what's killing me is the fact that they have a blueprint now. Um, so I'm very curious to see what they're going to do off this offseason. Um, I, I, I'm really very curious to see what they do as far as any trades is concerned, to be honest with you. Um, they do have the talent to make it back. Um, they just need to work as, focus more on the defensive side. And I think that once they do that, I think that that's what be the deal breaker for them. So They need to because the East is not going to get any easier. I mean, clearly, I mean, right now you're looking at the game. It's 72-71 Hawks. I, I, will, put, I will say this. Um, the Hawks are really, 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 truly are performing as the underdog. And it's, it's making me hard not to root for them. I mean, I do I, I do want – to be honest, I, I would be happy with any of these teams winning, winning the, um, being champions. I would be happy with any of the teams because there's always a different story. I want, this, I want Milwaukee to win because I want the city of Milwaukee to win. That's really the only reason why I want them to win. Um, I, I, I want the city of Milwaukee to, to, to have that. Um, but same thing, I want Phoenix because I want CP3 to win. Atlanta – I'm rooting for them because they're the true underdog. And the Clippers, of course, would be the first time they win in, in ever an uh, NBA championship. So, I mean, I'm rooting for them no matter what. I'm, I'm, this is this series, these two games, these two series is going to be very, very entertaining to watch. Yeah. And um, I was going to preface my statement by saying to the Nets, the Hawks ain't going nowhere, the that Bucks is ain't going nowhere. That is also true. Sixers, I don't know, but they're not going anywhere necessarily, depending on what they do. And the Knicks, the Knicks are only going to get better over the years. Hopefully, I mean, you know, they got new, they got new management over there, so we're going <laughs> to, we're seeing some stuff. Tom Thibodeau's getting them playing a little bit better, put it like and, that. And to be honest, I, I and I say this, I preface this because their defense, the Knicks defense has been on point and truth be told Milwaukee's defense is on point um Atlanta right now is playing that small ball similar to how Houston used to be um but their defense is still there as well like I think that regardless of the fact defense is still going to win championships and if they continue to play that the way that like the next that's why I'm saying the Nets need to focus more on the defensive side. Their offense is going to be there. They got Kyrie, they got James, they got um KD. They're going to be fine offensively. They really need to focus completely on the defensive side. And until they do that, they're not going to be in that same realm as these these two. I mean, these to be honest, they're not gonna be in the same realm as half of the people, half of the teams that was in the playoffs. Like they could easily be a fifth a fifth team. If they don't address the defense, so yeah, and as and, and as you always say, defense win championships. And even with all the points that the Golden State Warriors can score and all the shooters that they had, 
they had good defense, but the most importantly, they can get stops when they needed to. Exactly. Exactly. And the, Let's, the Nets didn't do that at all. Milwaukee did, which is why they are in the Eastern Conference Finals now. Yep. Uh, so, switching over to baseball before we leave the MLB. So, me personally, <laughs> I don't get the big deal about the, 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 the sticky tack. <laughs> no, that is crazy. It's, so pan- it's, 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 it's Pandora's box now. But every year it seems like it's something different. Last year it was about launch radius and velocities and try to change the baseballs because the guys were hitting it too, too high and too far and the, you know, the home runs were up. Now you want to try to do something. Now they got sticky tack. Now you're complaining because you're not getting enough home runs. You're not getting enough runs. So in my opinion, it's, this is just like how he said, like steroids. It was something that was not necessarily in the rule books are saying you can't use or you shouldn't use, but most people really didn't use it. Just like the sticky tech. It wasn't anything, as, it, as I've heard many people say, it wasn't anything in the rule books that says you can't do or it was illegal, but it's the integrity of the game and the way the game is being played. Like I talked to a, a couple of guys that play baseball, you know, that work with stuff like that, and that played for a long time. I watched it long, and I have. All of them said, "If you ain't cheating, you're not really playing <laughs> baseball. Everyone is going to try to get a competitive advantage, be it baseball, football, basketball, soccer, hockey, track and field. You know, no matter what you do, no matter whatever sport, there's always going to be somebody." that's going to try to get in a competitive advantage over the other person with so many dollars and millions being made. You want to boost up your stats, boost up your, you know, drop, you know, get your ERAs to a certain level so you can get those big contracts. So in your opinion, obviously the Major League Baseball is going to to do something. I don't think it's as big as, you know, steroids, but they're going to have to try to do something. So in your opinion, do you think this this is a major deal? And if so, um, do you think it's really accounting towards the, the low scores in baseball? I mean, well, I don't think it's counting towards the low scores, to be honest with you. Um, I, I wouldn't say that per se, because to go through this whole ordeal, to be honest, is kind of pointless in my opinion. I mean, I get the fact that you want to make sure that everything is working. I mean, like the, the integrity is being kept. Um, but like you said, everybody's doing something to get a little bit of an advantage. And to be honest with you, like now it's getting to the point where how this is all go- is, is going left. Like now you have, like I saw the the, the whole thing with the Nationals and um, the Phillies with Joe Girardi and um, Treasure. Um, I forgot, wait, Treasure? Wait, did I say his name right? Um, Scherzer. Scherzer. Um, but the, the thing about it is, is that this is really going to be, and like some of the pitchers are, are very adamant about like this is going to be worse than what it is because so many people are going to say no matter what they do, they think they're doing something wrong. Um, and I think that that aspect of it is going to, is going to be the cause 
I mean, I get what they were trying to do for the integrity aspect of it, but the blaming and all this put out in the media on blast and people, the pitchers now, you know, dropping their pants because they, they got to be checked every now and then. Like, that's going to overshadow everything that they're trying to accomplish with what they were talking about with the sticky take, uh, sticky tack. So I think that all in all, this is just, I, I, I get what they're trying to do, but I think that in doing it, this is going to open up Pandera, Pandora's box where that's going to overplay, overshadow what they're trying to do. And at the end of the day, that integrity is not going to matter much because it's always going to be, you know, you got, it's going to be, it's like, it's going to be open field day for pitchers. And the pitchers are going to get to that point where they're going to be tired of it. Um, they're going to go after managers. They're going to go after players, you know, they may take it to heart where they may start to throw um, pitches at the players, you know, to shut people up on the opposite, the opposing team because of them blaming and doing the same thing like Joe Girardi did. So I think that this is going to be a, a, a whole gone left thing. Um, and it's going to devalue what they're actually trying to accomplish, which is going to be, I mean, to be honest, what is it what they're really trying to accomplish to begin with? I mean, everybody does what they do. And there's, I haven't seen anything where it's been a spike of people actually getting caught out there on a regular basis. So I think this is just going to be a Pandora's box waiting to happen. Yeah, I think the whole foreign substance crackdown, I mean, they're doing trying to do everything they're trying to do to speed up the game and, and get more hits. But they're doing the opposite because they're slowing down the game. And I don't, I don't know, and it's kind of hard to tell if the sticky tack is really the overall cause of runs being down. Maybe it's just good pitching. Maybe it's sticky tack. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Um, but I think they're trying to over-police and over-regulate the game, and they're overcompensating and then giving the managers the ability to kind of check players at whim. This is ridiculous. Um, I think you check them once. Then got it, then that's it. Um, maybe two times, but the way that George Girardi kept doing it, I can see why, you know, Max Scherzer was, you know, was pissed. And there's going to be some players that don't do anything. There's going to be some players that may do something. They were saying that some of the, the runs were slightly better. But this is an overall way of trying to boost up the runs, the boost of viewership, to get more people to sit down on the TVs to watch. You can justify all the high... TV contracts that you have. Um, and by trying to appease Fifth Avenue, to try and appease your advertisers, to try and appease all the big money that you're getting from these networks, you're losing out on fans. The yeah. casual fans are going to come and they're going to go. But your hardcore fans are the ones that are always going to be there. And if you lose them, then what do you have? You have nobody coming to the stadiums. You have nobody watching the games on TV. So you're not going to get that money. So, I mean, tr truth be told, I mean, if you went into the Hall of Fame and try to exit out everybody that was not doing something and try to get a competitive advantage with your fourth substance, you probably wouldn't have 90% of the people in the Hall of Fame that it is right now. Is so true. knock it off. Stop trying to be so hypocritical about your sport. Your sport has always been about trying to get a competitive edge, no matter the way. And right now, where you're trying to 
they're trying to crack down because they got all eyes on the baseball because you want to you want to present a product like i said to the to the casual fans so you can get more people to watch to make more money that you're going to piss off the players the teams and your hardcore sports fans and then one day the casual fans are going to go and do something else and then your hardcore fans are going to be like i don't know watch this it's not baseball so what do you have left it's a big risk it's definitely a big risk that they do they're, they're, they're playing with fire right now and the, like you said, I completely agree. The last thing you want to do is upset not just your fans, but your, the players as well. And truth be told, they're going to do something where they continue down this road. There's not going to be any any baseball left. Um, or I would say any fans left, any viewers left, which in terms you would lose, like you said, the sponsors and the TV ads, and you will lose them. So they have to be careful how they approach this. I think that they, whoever is giving them the advice about working to do this now really need to stop listening to them and focus on what they need to do collectively to bring in the viewers, to bring in the fanship. Because let's be honest, like there's been a decline in, in fans and viewerships and it's been consistently going down. Yeah, and just like with steroids, I mean, when all things working good and nobody knows, everyone is, you know, clapping and high-fiving and taking the bows, but then everybody runs for cover when something comes out. I mean, like, stop being hypocritical. Y'all, everybody knew what was going on, what steroids was going on. Nobody was saying nothing because nobody got, let me phrase that, nobody got caught in public. Sure. And there was nothing that you couldn't, you know, <laughs> explain away. Now the stuff is coming out, you're getting caught in public. So now you're trying to, it, I'm not saying that no one should do any foreign substance, but you need to address this maybe going into next year and saying, look, you can't use substance A, B, C, D, E, and F in pitching, catching, you know, hitting. You need to address this in the offseason so people know going in you can't do that. Now, if people know and doing it, then you have all the reasons to throw the hammer on it. But if you're telling people that they can't use this and they do, don't try to change it midstream. You know, it is what it is. True, true. I mean, right now they really just need to play out this season. And like you said, focus on next season with hard, stiffer rules and let them know that this is what we're going to be doing going forward. If you, yeah, I completely agree. And you know, when negotiations come up with um, the, um, the players union and the owners, whew, they're going to take them to the woodshed over this something awful because they don't like this at all. We'll see. I mean, they're, 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 they don't like the foreign substance stuff and everything. They're opposed to that, but they're, I mean, they're, they're for not having that stuff in there. They're just opposed to the way it's being policed and regulated and the unilateral hand that, you know, Paul Manfred is having by doing this stuff. It's always about the communication. <laughs> All right, folks, we are on our time. It's about 10.13, so uh, we want to appreciate it everybody for listening in tuning into the podcast and giving back our feedbacks and comments um and before we go al i know where they can find you at uh you can find me on twitter and instagram i am al qualls twitter instagram and i am al qualls uh, you can find me on twitter and the gram je ross the number seven and as always 
love, peace, and soul, and stay safe out there. Have a good one. God bless. <laughs>